I'm Hazlitt. I'm Ruby. Welcome, Welcome to Oranges and Peaches. Peaches. So this is a podcast from the Lawrence Public Library and me and Ruby, we work on the Ask Desk at the library, which is like a traditional reference desk, which means that um, we get all manner of questions from people, like questions about local history a lot, questions that are just like, how can I find this book? Questions that are like... um, you know, like, what's the weather today? All How, sorts of stuff. Yeah. Any, it's the ask desk. Anything you want to ask yeah. us. We also get jokes about, like, what do I ask you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just any question. Yeah. Like, that's what we're looking for is just questions. So, um, yeah, we're making this podcast because uh, we want to share with people, like, both the really fun questions that we get because they just bring us a lot of joy to like uncover the answers. And then we also want to kind of demystify the process that we use to find those answers because it's not like magic. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we're not, you know, we don't know everything just like in our heads all the time. Um, we just know kind of where to go, right? We like kind of have, um, we have like some tricks maybe of, um, where you can go to find certain pieces of information. And we want to like, we want to share those with everyone. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah. And we want to say also that we're kind of like baby librarians. Yes. Like there are librarians <laughs> who have been doing this for so long and know so much more than we do. And if you are one of them, you know, maybe like send us an email with some tips. I don't know. Yeah, get in touch. <laughs> yeah, we would love to learn more, of course, always. But we're doing our best, and um, yeah, and we do know some stuff. Yeah, we know some stuff, and I yeah. I feel like, like Hazlitt said, there's a, there's a perception that we know everything, and we read every book you ask us about, and we immediately know where things are. Um, which is not true. We just know where no. to go to find that out. So yeah. we're kind of, yeah, we're letting you in on that, on that process. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, okay. So Ruby, what's up with this name, Oranges and Peaches? Oranges and Peaches. <laughs> um, okay. So if you've been to library school, Hazlitt is in process. Mm-hmm. I have not been to library school yet, hence baby librarians, pre-librarian. <laughs> um, yeah. But Oranges and Peaches is a beginning library school joke, and it is about a thing called a reference interview, which is something that we practice constantly. (laughs) Um, Okay, so let me try and do this joke justice. But basically, um, a librarian's working at the Ask Desk, and a kid runs up and says... I need the book Oranges and Peaches. Where is it? And the librarian types in Oranges and Peaches into the catalog and nothing really comes up. And so they're like, well, what class is this for? And the kid goes, it's for my science class and I have a report due tomorrow. I need the book right now. (laughs) And so being a super smart librarian, they think, okay, Oranges and Peaches, could this be origin of species <laughs> they say is it by darwin and the kid goes yeah and anyway they find the book <laughs> but it's about the importance of spending a little more time with the person and asking some more questions and getting all the clues you can um mm-hmm. so that you can get them what 
they need, even if they don't know the right. title. <laughs> right. Like uncovering the 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 true question sometimes. Because sometimes yeah. it's hard to figure out how to like even ask your question. So we need to like work together to say, like, what are we really looking for here? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a huge part of our job. Mm-hmm getting at (laughs) what are you really looking for and how can we help you find it Mm -hmm. yeah so oranges and peaches totally library yeah related i i hope to hear from someone who who gets gets it it and is like yes yeah if you get it right now please let us know yeah (laughs) okay so let's listen to our our first question i think from our first person hello my name is henry boache I am a PhD candidate at Rutgers University's School of Communication, Information and Media Studies. Could you kindly help me access editions of newspapers published in and around Lawrence in the months of May and April 1965? I'm looking for these papers because I am trying to analyze the details behind how an African student at University of Kansas became involved in a very popular civil rights protest aimed at desegregating the fraternity houses and other housing facilities near KU. The student's name is Walter Bigoya and he came from Tanzania in East Africa. I am making this inquiry as part of my doctoral dissertation work, which looks into how African students navigated the segregated racial climate of the United States in the 1950s and 1960s. Any help you can offer me will be highly appreciated. Thank you. Okay, so this question is cool, first of all, because it comes from Henry at Rutgers, which is, of course, across the country, like in New Jersey. Um, And this happens a lot, that people who are across the country, like, reach out to Kansas and ask us questions like this. So that's the first thing we wanted to say is just you know, thanks, New Jersey, for sending us <laughs> thanks, the question. <laughs> yeah, um, and if you are doing any kind of research, you know, obviously reaching out to universities, but check out local public libraries. We have a lot of resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the second thing about this question right off the bat, like, that it brings up for me is that since he's doing his PhD research, like, it is so specialized and like so detailed and yes. he pretty much, I mean, he knows what he's looking for pretty much. And that is not always the case. That doesn't have to be the case if you bring in a newspaper question, but no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, you can just ask us, you know, I mean, I mean anything, um, but, um, but it is really helpful when you're starting your search. So, so the first thing we would do or the first thing we did do, I guess, with Henry's yeah. question, <laughs> is we went to the library website, lplks.org. You can go there now. 
And then you click on resources in our tab and you go to genealogy and local history, which has all of the databases and like websites that we've decided are the most important for folks in mostly Lawrence and Douglas County Mm -hmm. to go to for um, historical research and genealogical research around here. And so in that section, we have four newspaper archives and one of them is very good and it is called newspaper archive. So that's the way that you can get to it, right? It's through the library's website, resources, local history and genealogy, mm-hmm. right? And then newspaper archive. Yeah. And this one is the best, Ruby. It's the best. <laughs> we have a favorite. It's fine. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this one is the best because it is keyword searchable. Um. If you've ever seen uh, any detective show in the 80s or 90s, <laughs> some movie where they have to research and they are at the microfilm machine and they're scanning and scanning through yeah. endless pages of newspapers. Um, that takes up a lot of time. And mm-hmm. if someone's asking us a question, you know, like Henry is looking for really specific dates, um, but he's also looking for names. So it's impossible to do if you can't keyword mm-hmm. search. It just takes so long. So mm-hmm. newspaper archive is awesome. Um, has, do you want to explain, you, you do a lot of digitizing, but do you want to explain how keyword searches oh. come to be? Yes. Oh, I do want to explain that. Okay. <laughs> so there is, uh, it's like a software. I don't know. Okay. I'm not going to get bogged down in that. Okay. <laughs> there is something <laughs> called OCR, optical character recognition, the best invention ever possibly and so you scan it like a newspaper page as if it's an image and then this OCR thing it goes in and recognizes um, all of the words that are in that image and like codes them as you know words that you can search for so you know without OCR does that make sense <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay yeah, okay, okay. Sense to me. so without OCR yeah you would just have to read the page right like use your brain to recognize the words but yeah with OCR the machine can recognize the words and it makes everything like yeah lightning lightning speed faster yeah I had to use microfilm when I was in high school doing some research about Lawrence history mm-hmm. and uh I I it was it's very slow I mean you're you are literally reading the entire I, newspaper to try to find one article. Yeah. Um, I honestly yeah. don't even remember because it was so boring. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah. yes, we love newspaper archive. Yes. Archive is in all caps, so it, it stands out on the page. It's easy to find. Um, yeah. So when we got Henry's question, that's the place we went to first. Um, and it had a lot of, a lot of information. Um, one of the great things that... Of course, Henry knows how to research. He's got his keywords. He's got his date range. He's ready to go. Um, So for him, we just needed to really send him the link. (laughs) He knew what to do. But um, I did a few practice searches to see, um, you know, if we had anything interesting to point him toward. And we definitely did. Um, But one of the things is in his question, he gives us the date range of April and May 1965. So that's a good place to start. Um, But I expanded that a little bit. I was just kind of curious. I'm like, well, let's go like January to June 1965, like bump it out a little bit. Um, And one of the things that I found was um, a ton of articles um, from March. 
So mm-hmm. if we're really, really serious about our date range and we just stick to those two months, um, mm-hmm. we could miss out on some stuff. So something. yeah, it's good to just kind of start with a really, really open-ended search um, and yeah. narrow it down as you're finding more information. Um, yeah. And so, those are really like research skills. Yes. Like, and yeah. there's all sorts of, yeah, like different things you have to take in consideration when you research newspapers in this way. Because sometimes you'll get so many results that, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to like look, I guess maybe look at like a narrow date range, like one at a time so that it's manageable. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And I, I also noticed like initially I thought, you know, okay, Henry's looking for Walter Pagoya. So I put in his name. Well, he's done a lot of stuff. So there were articles, you know, from after his college career. Um, There were articles from, you know, much later in the year, like not exactly what Henry was looking for. So um, yeah, playing around with your date range and the keywords that you're plugging in is a really great idea um (laughs) but yeah so one of the things that i found um when i just started plugging in some searches um was that uh in let me see march 1965 um ku chancellor william clark wesco's office was occupied by almost 100 students it later became like 300 um but the initial occupation was about 100 um, and that was organized by the KU Civil Rights Council, and Walter Bagoya was one of the leaders of the CRC. Mm. Um, so his name, when I searched it, came up in those articles. Um, but also just searching, you know, KU civil rights or student activism, like there are so many keywords <laughs> that you could be plugging in. <laughs> so I got kind of lucky with that being one of the first things that came up. Um, but super, super interesting history. We will mm-hmm. put links to that in the show notes if you're interested in, yeah. in digging into it more. Yeah. And totally relevant to Henry's research, right? Even yeah. though it's a little bit outside of the frame of, you know, stuff that he was looking for. So yeah, your point is very good, Ruby, that, that you should expand. The, <laughs> yes. The expand. Months. If you have the time and the patience, mm-hmm. yeah, expand those search results a little bit. Yeah. I mean, we were lucky with this question because we found we found a lot of great stuff up front. Um, I try to, I don't know if you do this, Hazlitt, but I try to, I try to give someone the direction to go in, but I also, I get very excited about their question and I want to find all of these gems and, Mm -hmm. um, it's less exciting for them if I kind of spoil the surprise. So I try to, I try to, you know, tame that a little bit (laughs) and, send them in that direction knowing they're you know a couple clicks away from finding something really cool but i'm not just shouting it at them that's, that's the test okay that's really nice of you because yeah. i feel like i'm i'm just a spoiler <laughs> i'm just like oh my gosh because that's what's so fun about our job right and like yeah. discovering like these things that are meaningful you know that like yeah. exist just in a in a weird looking database but like add meaning to people's lives because it's like evidence of life in yeah. the past um no I definitely spoil it <laughs> I had someone ask me about uh they were like I just bought this house I'm interested in the in the history mm-hmm. of the property um and I discovered that this one old couple they bought it when it was built when they weren't <sighs> old 
And they lived there until oh one of them died. And then the other one lived there for a few more years. And I like, it was just this afternoon of history and this glimpse into this couple's life. And they yeah. had garage sales a couple times a year. And I like saw what they listed. It was just, yeah. anyway. Yeah. But um, It's like too much to bear. I'm it's like, too much. And I, I went so overboard in my email to this patron <laughs> about like, you didn't know that a couple lived here. Uh-huh. They're so cute. Yeah. Person did not write me back. Um, I know, <laughs> but yeah. that's okay. It was fun for me. I if just we, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but if we send you a big email, please write please us back. Please write us back, even yeah. just to say that's too much. Right, um, like please, thank you. To, yeah, yeah. Like, take it down a notch. But <laughs> no, I've done that too. Yeah, people ask us a lot about um, the history of houses, mm-hmm. which maybe we'll do in another episode. Yeah, but, yeah. There are a yeah. lot of um, kind of weird mm-hmm. ways to find out the history of of your house mm-hmm. so yeah yeah, yeah and i'm interested to know what you do because i know what i do <laughs> but i don't know what you do okay so. we'll compare methods okay okay well so i think that i think we did it i think we answered henry's question yes okay so the next section of this podcast is going to be um where we talk about some outside resources so we told you about the resources that we would use in the library mm-hmm. if you came to us at the ask desk but um of course there are like billions and like bazillions of resources <laughs> out there that are so cool um and that we don't get to I mean we don't even know about them right there's just like yeah there's so much yeah I'm just rambling about how, <laughs> how the internet is great so but, much information <laughs> but so yeah so we're gonna highlight two other resources that um you might want to take a look at if you're doing newspaper research yeah yeah right. yeah so the first one that I found that I am completely obsessed with now um i have a background in photography and one of the things that drives me crazy about the digitized newspapers is the the text is pretty good like you can you can totally make out the article you can print it out it's fine um but those photos are (laughs) impossible to see you know everything's in black and white but then the photo quality, I, I mean, you can't even tell, like, what's a person and yeah. what's a building. <laughs> it's yeah. just awful. But then you'll see the caption and you're like, I, you know, I would really love, like, with Henry's question, all these photos of these students sitting in at Wesco's office for days. And, I, you know, you know there are some incredible photos coming out of that. And then also, if you're looking for... Uh, history about the activism of a particular student and maybe what they went on to do, how are you going to know what they look like uh-huh. or, you know? So anyway, yeah. Um, I ended up looking around to try to find the photos and I learned that, sorry, LJ world, but their, um, <laughs> their photo archives are a little bit messy um, in terms of being accessible to the public, mm. but the Spencer Museum at KU has an, a pretty substantial archive of the LJ World photos um, and then also photos from the various campus photographers and student newspapers. Um, and so those are accessible. Oh, it's like a long thing, but... It's the KU Digital Libraries. If you Google that, it comes up. Yeah, and um, we can put, we'll put it in show notes. Yeah, we can put it in the show notes. Yeah. And uh, those are also, they're not quite as good with their descriptions, but 
um, I think I ended up putting in like, you know, Wesco sit-in or mm-hmm. um, even just civil rights. <laughs> and there were like tons and tons and tons of photos. Um, and then I could narrow down by year. Um, but yeah, that is a great place to look if you're finding a really great article that has a photo that you can't tell what's in it. Um, it might be digitized mm-hmm. through the Spencer. So cool. Okay, wait, Ruby, do you know why pictures in the newspaper archives are usually so grainy? Um, I would guess that it is a speed issue. Uh, If you've ever tried to scan Uh, something and you're trying to scan it at a really high resolution, it takes a really long time and it takes up a ton of space. And oh, so, you know, if you're imagining how many sheets are in a printed newspaper and then you're doing that times, you know, a hundred plus years of yeah. daily papers. Yeah. So I think it, yeah, I think they just have to scan it at a resolution that is not amazing for photos. So yeah. it gets super blown out and, you know, it's a photo that was printed on newsprint. So it's already not yeah incredible looking yeah yeah that would make sense and the page is just scanned as like a photo right and then it's like like it's or it's scanned as an image like the whole page is scanned as an image this is what happens at our job (laughs) and then we start talking and now I'm gonna have to research this because I don't know the exact process for digitizing a paper do you know oh my gosh I I kind of know I mean I digitize stuff here right at the library right I didn't know if yeah if the newspaper archive had a I think it's the same-ish process. So okay. the way we digitize things here, right, is we just open up a book <laughs> and we put the page down on the Very scanner. Scientific. This is they do it way better at places that are actually like like you know, like doing preservation. Like their mission is preservation. Right. Our mission is like public, right? Not preservation. So yeah. um okay. But the way, yeah, the way you do it is you put a page down on the scanner and it scans it as an image, right? Mm-hmm. And then you apply the OCR, which is optical character recognition. Fancy. (laughs) (laughs) You apply that through like a software thing um, onto that image and it like decodes the words Mm -hmm. so that you can, so that you can keyword search. Right. So I I think that's probably what they do with, um, that's what they did with newspapers when they made it into microfilm. Mm -hmm. But now I think the. This is, I'm sorry, we're getting into the weeds. <laughs> okay. Um, but now the newspaper archives, like like the like newspaper archive, our favorite database, um, I think that those are scanned from microfilm, like directly from microfilm. Oh, okay. And that, I think, is the reason they're so grainy is because there's like third rate Double microfilm. Scan, yeah. Well, and it's like, it's like crappy. It's like they do like the crappy microfilm. <laughs> we have for the some cheap reason. microfilm. <laughs> like, anyway, it, yeah. Yeah. That's it's my, a whole process. Yeah. It's it's important, I think, to to consider what goes into making that yeah. stuff accessible. And, you know, at a certain point, all of those newspapers have disintegrated or they're so delicate that, you know, right. none of us are allowed to look at them. Right. Um, yeah. And then we just have that scan. Right. And so. Well, and most newspapers are, yeah, just thrown out after yeah. they're digitized because, yeah, they're not made to to last no um okay 
Well, I want to share my resource. Oh, jeez. Okay, yeah, yeah. Hazlitt, well, share your resource. But I also want to ask you, okay, I'm sorry. I don't want to share my resource yet. <laughs> I want to ask you, um, how did you find this, the KU photo, the Spencer photos? Did you just look on Spencer's website or? Um, I think because the question was around KU, I felt like um, I... <laughs> I have had experience working on digitizing a campus uh, archive of negatives. And so shout out to Evergreen. That room is not climate controlled. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I felt like, okay, KU, you know, a huge state school, they're going to have a photo archive somewhere. And this made, you know, the town news, but it was it was very much KU news um yeah and so i started looking to see if you know maybe a campus photographer had captured anything um because i knew that there wasn't an an easily accessible photo archive for lj world um and ku digital libraries has their various collections labeled um and so i was able to find uh the photo collection is labeled really clearly. Cool. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just a couple searches. Um, and yeah, just kind of a, yeah. a hunch about KU uh-huh. digitizing yeah. their own photos. So yeah. Yeah. I like that thought process. That was like, that's much more evolved than my thought process for finding <laughs> another resource, which was just like Googling. <laughs> Googling. There's no shame in just Googling <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Um, okay, so my outside resource that I have complicated, I have kind of conflicting feelings about. It's um, there's this man named Tom Trinisky in Fulton, New York, and he has been digitizing newspapers since 1999. Okay. Um, yeah, like full time job. He retired in 1999 at the age of like 49. He received, I think, a historic postcard from a friend, and he was like, oh, hey, I used to love newspapers. No, he got a, he got a postcard. I'm sorry. He got a postcard. He went down to his local library. Good good Yay. move, Tom. Yes. Um, he went down to his library to try to figure out who the people in the, in the postcard were. Oh. And, then, and then he was like, oh, yeah, I used to love newspapers. I, I guess found out that, you know, they were kind of in this crisis of preservation mm-hmm. and was like, oh, I'll just dedicate my life to – digitizing newspapers so that they can be preserved, um, you know, for, for a long time for future generations or whatever. Thank, thank you so, for that. That's right? intense. So it's like a one man operation. Wow. He's like North of Syracuse up in New York. Um, all the articles I read were like, he's digitized way more than Chronicling America, the Library of Congress's wow. project. Like I have some, I have some kind of, this data isn't great, but in 2015, Chronicling America had digitized 74 terabytes of data, which is like a, a lot. Oh yeah, that's I, a lot. A terabyte is a lot. I don't know, but and and so that was in 2015. They'd done 74. In 2018, Tom Trinisky had done 120 terabytes, which is like. Do you sleep, Tom? Right. <laughs> Do you like, take any breaks? <laughs> like it's it's impressive. I mean, it's yeah. a huge, huge personal endeavor. And so, you know, he makes his um, newspaper archive. It's totally free. 
you know, free to access. It seems like he has some server issues, you know, mm. maybe quite frequently. I read I read that in 2018 at, at least, you know, probably more since then Russian hackers <laughs> tried to oh, no. tried to take him down like or like hold his data um, you know, for ransom and, yeah. and make him pay a lot of money for it. Um, but he was too smart for them and he had a lot of backup data and wow. he just like got rid of the virus infected files and then put his his backups in. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, so on the one hand, so very cool, right? On the one hand, very cool. Like it's important to preserve historic newspapers. I think Yeah, we agree. Absolutely. I think if you're listening to the podcast, you probably agree. You, you agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> and well, like why? Like why is it important to preserve them? Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> why is it important to preserve history? I mean, hmm. um, well, I think most of the time that we've had printed material has been pre-internet. Yeah. Um, and I think we are kind of used to being able to look things back up and save information in a super easy way. And that has almost never been the case uh-huh. yeah. so yeah i think you know you're curious about your house you're curious about an ancestor um you're curious about a presidential campaign or you know who who was mayor in the 60s any any uh-huh. question like that and the place it would have been written about is in the newspaper there were you know no one had a blog. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, yeah. It's like you're relying on someone to write it down and hopefully Mm. someone else to publish it. So yeah, I think it's, it's one of the easiest ways to find Mm. any historical information and and really start your research. So Mm -hmm. if no one digitizes them, uh, they're pretty much gone. Yeah. Yeah. The whole record. Yeah. And it's like so much texture. Like there's so much just funny stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Like so-and-so went for an afternoon visit to so-and-so's house. Like that was a big thing. Yeah. Historical newspapers. newspapers are, they're very nosy and they uh-huh. get a little catty so and yeah, yeah, they're, they're really fun. Yeah. But okay. Okay. Good. I, I like that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, but so but so where the kind of conflict comes comes in is like thank you Tom Trinisky for dedicating your life to this. On the other hand, like why does one man <laughs> like what how can one man be responsible for like digitizing more historic newspapers than like the Library of Congress? Like yeah. how can it be possible that the Library of Congress I don't think it's the fault fo- I don't think it's their fault, right? I think it's just sort of the pressures of like you know, newspaper archive is commercial, I uh-huh. think, right? You pay for a subscription to it. Library of Congress is government funded, of course. And, you know, so we can we can kind of assume that there might be some funding pressure on digi- digitization projects. Uh-huh. Um, and versus like Tom Trinisky, who's doing it from like pretty much a philanthropic stance, you know, just yeah. like a, like a, I don't know, good of his own heart. Not an obsession. I yeah, <laughs> that's we can true. say. <laughs> that's true too. Um but so it's like I kind of want to live in a world where we like value these historic newspapers enough that we're like I don't you know more dedicated to yeah. preserving them in a way that's not piecemeal um yeah. you know like 
I, I was reading that Google News Archive, some of the local, the, like the small local newspapers that were on Google News Archive, they're being removed because of copyright issues. Mm. It's like, you know, there's all sorts of ways that these things can be removed from um, the record, right, from access. And mm. then it's like, basically, they'll just fall through the cracks, I think. Yeah. And you, you don't know that they're gone until you go looking for something and then it's too late. Yeah. Um, or it's just like there's a hole and like just yeah, no one will ever yeah. know. I hope this is right. I hope I'm not just overstating this and Melissa, our boss, is going to come in later and be like. Mm-hmm. We'll have her on next time to be like, you <laughs> to guys. Do the corrections. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe librarians. Um, yeah, that's, no, that's we're, we're learning. Yeah. Yeah, we wanted to say that we, uh, we're, yeah, we're learning. Yeah. Yeah. We're learning. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> it. Th- that's Yay. it for the resources. <laughs> Ruby, what are you reading this week? Oh, okay. Well, this has been a long pandemic year. <laughs> I just want to preface this. Um, I get a lot of patrons coming in apologizing to me for not reading more, which I oh, I don't judge you for that. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I think there's this perception that as librarians, we're like we've read everything in the collection. We're reading all the time. And if you mention a book to us, we've definitely read it, which is so not true. Uh Um, Okay. Yeah. All of that is to say I am attempting my second read (laughs) of this very tiny book that I should just be able to get through. But anyway, it's called Designing Disorder Experiments and Disruptions in the City. Um, it's, It's pretty heavy and academic but basically it talks about how the way that we have designed cities in america is very closed off and kind of sterile Mm -hmm. and really doesn't encourage people to mingle with one another and be out in public. You know, I think about this a lot because I work at the library, which is basically the only space other than a public park where you can exist without having to buy something. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah. And, uh, it, it proposes these different design methods for getting lots of different types of people to interact with each other and talking about how, you know, the, the messiness and the awkwardness is, actually really good for all of us and we need to embrace that more so mm-hmm. i think about that a lot at the library mm-hmm. yeah i like it i'll finish and, it eventually <laughs> right yeah i am the same way and by the way i looked it up that's by pablo sandra and richard senate thank you Hasla. didn't <laughs> if, in cite case. my full yes <laughs> come to the ask desk i'll find it for true, you true 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 okay um well i am reading this week not really this week. Yeah. I'm also like very, very slowly working my way through this novel called The King of Kings County, which is like a fictionalized account of the development of the suburbs of the, the suburbs of Kansas City in Johnson County. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Um, and it's very good. It's, it's really well written. The author is um, Whitney Terrell and it, it's from 2005. So I feel kind of good for reading something that was not published in, <laughs> I don't know, in, this, in this decade. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm like in the part right now about redlining where, I mean, they're basically blockbusting and I don't know. It's I've never read like a fictionalized, 
you know, like a, like a story where there's like characters who are engaged in these historical housing mm-hmm. things. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It's interesting. I yeah. love that. Uh, even when info services, people read fiction, it's, <laughs> it's, it's still kind of nonfiction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't tear ourselves away. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Well, thank you, everybody. Yay. Thank Thanks you. for listening if you made it this far. If you made it this far. <laughs> All right. See you next month. Yay. I think. And come to the Ask Desk. Yes. Ask us stuff. We clearly love it. So. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Tune in next month for another episode of Oranges and Peaches. Find the show notes on lplks.org. And don't forget to subscribe. And please rate or comment. You'll help others find the podcast. Our info librarians are Hazlitt Henderson and Ruby McKinnon Love with theme music and editing by Joel Bonner. This has been a production of the Lawrence Public Library.